there. Welcome to another life-transforming sermon with Dr. Dazwit Achero. I want us to look at the valuable member. The valuable member. Somebody say the valuable member. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this moment you've given to us. Speak to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Shout a big amen. Now, during the just concluded African Cup of Nations, which I'm sure some of you watched, some of you didn't, but all the same, in that tournament there were players who made the headlines. In fact, that was the first time I could actually hear about some players. I didn't even know that they exist. And they made headlines because they played in some of these very prestigious European football clubs. You know, football was made in Germany, but it's being played in Europe. <laughs> Only the legions can understand what I said. And so these players were stealing the show every now and then, especially when it was their country playing. Soccer pundits and commentators were always talking about these players. They highlighted, highlighted their skills and their experience because they were playing um, top flight soccer in these European countries. And all eyes were on them. And they had to prove their skill. They had to prove their experience on this African platform. And I remember when they mentioned a country, they had to mention, you know, some of these players. They mentioned Egypt, they mentioned a player. They mentioned Senegal, they mentioned a player. They mentioned Cameroon, they mentioned, you know, the player. It's because these players, you know, were not just in the pitch to just fill the number, but they were there to make things happen. And if you give them a chance, they show magic. They score goals. Or they create chances for other team members to be able to score. When I was growing up, um, and I am not very old. Just put that caveat there. But when I was growing up, I remember uh, I used to watch a guy by the name Diego Armando Maradona. And he was such a great, great player. You know, he used to play for Argentina. And I remember in 1986 how he really rallied his team to be able to win the World Cup. He was a great, great dribbler. I mean, you give him the ball, he can dribble past four or three defenders and just go. During that tournament, I remember that he was also very cheeky. There is a, there is a goal he scored with his hand. And when they asked him <laughs> what happened, and he said it was the hand of God. But he was so skillful. He was so talented on the pitch. And I remember when we used to play uh, soccer, we used to say, Diego Nampira. 
You know, some of you used to say Kadenge. As we used to say Diego. All right? Because we wanted to associate ourselves with him because he was a very skillful player. Now, these players had something extra that gave their team a psychological edge over the opponents. You see, I used to play hockey, and I was very good at playing hockey. I played hockey up to the national levels. That's why I'm also very good in golf, because hockey and golf is almost the same. The techniques are almost, you know, uh, the same, because you have to have the eye on the ball. I remember one time I took some of my pastors to the golf course. And they were telling me this thing is easy. Let's, let's, let's try and do it. The first one was Pastor Onesmus. <laughs> I can't tell you what happened. <laughs> so I used to play soccer. And I remember those days. that uh, No, I used to play hockey. And I remember those days because I was very good uh, at, at, at playing hockey. I, I could be marked by three or four you know, defenders. As soon as I get the ball, they were around me. You know, when you become a valuable player, that's what happens, that everybody keeps their eye on you. That's why you could see some of these very, very talented, you know, soccer players who are really, really marked by two or three, you know, defenders. Now, I want you to understand that they were valuable because of something that they were bringing into the team. They were talked about because of something that they were bringing to their teams. That is skill and experience. Now, I want you to just look at Harambe stars. When you look at Harambe stars, we are trying. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, we are trying. <laughs> But I want you to imagine if Messi joins Harambe Stars or Ronaldo joins Harambe Stars. I know to some of the ladies here, this is very foreign. What I'm talking about is very foreign. But if you are a lady, just behave as if you understand. So your neighbor doesn't know you are very green when it comes to soccer and football. Imagine if Messi joins Harambe Stars, and then Ronaldo joins Harambe Stars. And then we have De Bruyne playing in the middle field. I'm telling you, psychologically, psychologically, we will feel very good. We will know that we are going to win every match that we play. Why? Because we have one of the best players in the world playing for us. Do you understand? I wish it can be like that, but let me tell you, things on the ground are different. It is not that way, but I wish it can be that way. It's because when you have the right people in your team, when you have a valuable member in your team or player in your team, psychologically, you have an edge against your opponent. So every team, every team, that has a valuable team player will have this psychological advantage and they will already begin to see victory 
even before it happens. Isn't it true? And so, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand that every church requires valuable members who will make things happen. Every church needs valuable members who will be able to make things happen. Isn't it true? We need important people. The way we see these players having a great, great impact, you know, on their team is the same way we need valuable members in the church who can be able to make a huge, huge difference when it comes to doing the work of the ministry. You know, I was just thinking about um, Harambe Stars. Can we go back to Harambe Stars? I was just thinking about Harambe Stars and I was just thinking about our country and I was just saying maybe we should stop concentrating on football and we start concentrating on athletics. Because we are very good when it comes to athletics, isn't it? 5,000, 10,000 um, relay. We are very, very good cross-country. We are very, very good. And so maybe we should just concentrate on where we see that there is talent so we can be able to dominate the world. Do you understand what I'm talking about? We should even recruit those who run at night. <laughs> recruit them. So they can go and win trophies for us. <laughs> Ask your neighbor, are you a night runner? Please, if, you're, if your neighbor is not talking to you, you should move and go to another. I don't want to sit next to a neighbor who doesn't want to talk to me. Because we, we, are, we are gifted in that area. And you can see that we do very well. We bring gold during Olympics. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, we do very well when it comes to running. So when you find the right people in a team, I'm telling you, amazing things are going to happen. And we need the right people in the church. I say we need the right people in the church. When we have the right people in the church, valuable members in the church, I'm telling you, great things are going to take place in the church. Lift up your hand and say, I'm a valuable member in the church of Jesus Christ. Shout it louder. I'm a valuable member in the church of Jesus Christ. You see, this... These this, this gifted players, when they play, you can see that their passes are accurate. Isn't it? Yeah, you can see that they can even defend in a very good way. When some of them are behind there, you know that no score. They are goalkeepers when they are there. Even the team is willing to go for penalties. They are willing to go for penalties. In fact, they will fight and frustrate you so you go for penalties. When you go for penalties, they know. They will defeat you because their goalkeeper is very good. You understand? So when we have such people in the church, I'm telling you, the church will do amazing things. But if you have bad people, the way we have sometimes bad players, bad players are the ones who are being substituted every now and then. They let them play for 10 minutes, they are to come out. Or they wait until we have only three minutes for the match to end. Then they tell you, go in. 
So some of them even go in, they are looking for the ball, they can't even find it. And then the match is over. It's because whether they are there or not, it doesn't make a difference. You understand what I'm saying? So if you're not a valuable team player or a valuable member in the church, you'll be substituted. Somebody will come and take your place. You remember when Judas was eliminated, when he killed himself, his place was taken by somebody else. So when you're not actually operating in your position as you should, you need to know that your replacement is warming up. That's why you see the coach says, start warming up. Because they are targeting somebody. Either he's lazy or his passes are not correct. When he gets to the box, he's left with the goalkeeper. When he shoots, his eyes are straight, but the ball. <laughs> Lift your hand one more time and say, I am a valuable member of the church of Jesus Christ. Please, I can't hear you this morning. Shout it louder. I'm a valuable member in the church of Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at this kind of member. Who is this valuable member in the church? I have several qualities that I'm going to look at. But I want to define that word so that you understand what it means. Now, the word valuable, according to the website dictionary, is having desirable or esteemed characteristics or qualities. It is having desirable or esteemed characteristics or qualities. So the church needs members who have desirable characteristics as well. It requires members who have great qualities. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When they are there, you know the vision will come to pass. They don't sabotage the vision. They don't frustrate the church's you know, vision. They don't frustrate leaders when they are there you know that the church will fulfill the vision. You know that great things will happen in the church. You know that there will be a smooth and a sweet environment in the department because they are not there to pull the team down or to drag the leader, but they are there to become a catalyst that can be able to propel the vision forward. Am I preaching to somebody in this house? Tell your neighbor, I'm not a liability. I am a blessing. Tell them again, I'm not a liability. I am a blessing. So who is this valuable church member? Number one. He is the consistent church attendee. Consistent church attendee. He is there. Consistent. Consistent, regular. Hmm. You see, there is a religion I know, and I'm sure you have experienced some of the people who are in that religion. And these guys are very committed to their place of worship. That sometimes, even if they do business and it is time for them to go to their temple to pray, they will, they will close the shop. They close the shop and go and spend time praying. Then they will tell you, wait for me. As soon as I'm done with prayer, I will come and sell to you whatever you want, you want to buy. Very committed. And they will go to that place. And they guard that place zealously. They can die for that place. They can even kill for that place. 
They're very zealous and committed to their place of worship. I mean, their place of worship is so important to them that even some of them who are very rich, they will put up their business in a place and then build a place of worship for people to come and worship from that particular place. I mean, they are so committed. I'm sure you know those people or you don't know them. It is only Christians who are the ones who struggle to go to their place of worship. A lot of Christians go to their place of worship when it is convenient to them. Yeah, when it is closer to their house. You know, when it's a place where you just open your window and you see that the pastor's car has been parked, so he has come. That's when you go to church. Isn't it? But most of them, they will give excuses and say, it's far, I mean, I can't get there, it's so difficult. It's because they are not really connected to the place. They are not really connected to the place. There's a statement I've said, and I'll say it again, that it is not how near the place of worship is to your house. It's how close your heart is to God. That's the difference. It's how close your heart is to God. Because when your heart is close to God, then you will be able to make, you make some arrangements to be where God wants you to be. Because when you look at the Old Testament, they used to travel. Going to the temple was a journey. They used to travel. And those days, they didn't have Uber. They didn't have Nduthi. They didn't have cars. So they used to walk and go to the place. God even says in Deuteronomy, there is a place I have chosen for you. That is the place where you will go. And that is the place where you will sacrifice. So, a valuable church member is this one who is a consistent church attendee. And nothing deters him from being in church. Now, before I go deeper in that, I want us to look at types of attendees that we have in church. Number one is the chronic absentee. Chronic absentee. This is a believer who does profess Jesus as Lord and Savior, but never attends church services. He does profess that he's even a member of a particular church, but he doesn't show up for services. When you meet him and you begin to ask him, where have you been? He will tell you, Pastor, I want you to know that we are among the silent followers. We are with you in the spirit. Just know that you have a member somewhere, even if I don't come. So they will always identify with God, identify with church, but they will never show up in church. They are chronic absentees when it comes to church attendance. They will tell you, I'm born again. They will even tell you, I pray. They will even tell you, I fast. They will tell you, I read the Bible. They will tell you, I watch you. But they will never actually show up in the place that God has prescribed for them to attend so that they may be able to receive the blessings of being in that place physically. John chapter 20, verse 19 to 24, shows us what happens when you become a chronic absentee as far as church attendance is concerned. The Bible says from verse 19, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, 
I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. I proclaim, may you receive the Holy Spirit this morning. Come on, shout loud, I receive it. And then he says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now, that's what I want you to see. Now, Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So when Jesus was appearing to the disciples, because we say that in the house of God, you have come. And when you come to the house of God, Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, is in that place. The blood of Jesus is there. God is there. Angels are there. Spirits of just men are there. But also Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, is in that place as well. When Jesus came to visit the disciples because they had congregated, the Bible says Thomas was not there. Thomas was absent, and Thomas was one of the guys that Jesus brought close to him. He was in the kitchen cabinet, but when Jesus appeared to the disciples, the 12 disciples, Thomas was missing in action. And because he was not there, his absence from being where Jesus was affected his faith. It actually took him longer to believe that Jesus had resurrected. And this was a man who was around Jesus when he was talking about he will rise again. He will be crucified. He will be betrayed. He will be crucified. He will die. And on the third day, he will rise again. He heard Jesus say that over and over again. But because of skipping the prayer service, it affected his faith. Because of skipping the service, not being where Jesus is. It affected his faith. And he could not believe what the other disciples were telling him. Look at verse 24 to 25. Just give me verse 24 again. And then we go all the way to 25 quickly. Verse 24. Now Thomas called the twin of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. Then verse 25. The other disciples therefore say to him, we have seen the Lord. When you show up, you will always see the Lord. Do you understand what I'm talking about? They said, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. So they were telling him, we were in the meeting and Jesus showed up. We saw him, we spoke to him, but because he was absent, he could not believe in what they said. You see, if you keep on skipping and you're not showing up in the house of God, even if they tell you the power of God moved, the presence of God was there, somebody was healed, you will laugh. You will even mock it and say, I don't think it's true. If they tell you there was someone who came to that service on a wheelchair and the power of God hit him and he stood up and he started walking, you'll say, hey, because you are not there. You are not there to see the power of God. You are not there to experience the power of God. And that's why you should not be a chronic absentee when it comes to showing up in the house of God because a lot of things will pass you by. God will show up, his presence will show up, his glory will show up, people will be touched, 
People will be changed, but because you are not there, you will always be left behind. I pray for you that you will not be left behind. I pray that when God moves in this house, you will always be there. I pray that when the power of God comes down, you will always be present so that God can be able to minister to you as well. And I prophesy, because you came this morning, may you live here with a touch. May you live here touched by God in Jesus' name. Can I hear a louder amen in this house? Yes. Chronic absentees. They, are no long, they, they don't come. They don't come. But they say, I am a member of the city of Transformation Church. When were you last in church? Um, uh, I'm always in church. I'm always in church. How? In the spirit. Tell your neighbor, we don't want that kind of spirit. It's a bad spirit. You're not talking to your neighbor. Are you scared of your neighbor? Tell your neighbor, we don't want that kind of spirit. It's a bad spirit. You need to show up. You need to be in the house of God. Hallelujah. Secondly, is the erratic attendee. The erratic attendee. This one attends church, but is not consistent. His attendance is erratic, haphazard, and irregular. He is not deliberate. He is not steady when it comes to showing up in the presence of God. Now, I understand that some people have genuine reasons why they are in this category. Because maybe they work on shifts and they are required sometimes to work on Sundays. But you see, after they knock off most of them, they don't even check to see what transpired in the church. Right now, we even have Facebook, we have YouTube, we have podcasts, but they don't really follow up to know what happened in the church. They don't listen to the message. They don't even worship. They don't even give an offering. I mean, they skip church. And their excuse is, I was working. Even if you were working, if your heart is really for God, you will attend the service virtually. Because there are people who have to be at work. Isn't it? There are people who are doctors. And they are, sometimes they are called Sunday morning to go and save a life. And they have to go. But what happens after that shows if you are really in love with God or you are not. If you don't, then you are in this group. Erratic attendee. But others are erratic in attendance by choice. They show up in church when they feel like. When they're in the mood, they say, today, let me go and tell God thank you. <laughs> so they come to say, Lord, I thank you because I'm in good moods today. Their lives are driven by moods. When they are not happy, when they are feeling low, when they are not in the mood, they will not show up in the house of God. When they are discouraged, they will not show up in the house of God. Some show up when they are in a crisis. When the devil is in their bedroom, that's when they come. When their business is going down, that's when they come. When they are having challenges with their health, that's why they say, let me move close to God. At least he might have mercy on me and heal me. But as soon as their crisis has been resolved, you will not see them again. Their attendance is best on the problems they go through in their lives. 
When they don't have money, they come and pray. Oh God, remember me. Oh God, remember me. Oh God, remember me. When money comes, you don't see them. When they don't have a job, they tell God, God, if you give me a job, I will serve you more than I'm serving you now. Then God, God says, okay, let me give you a job. When God gives them a job, it is the job now is taking them away from God completely. Until God now is wondering, I think I should just remove this job thing from their lives. Because when they were jobless, they were very spiritual. When they were jobless, they were very prayerful. When they were jobless, they were listening to even gospel music in their car. I've given them a job. Now they have used the job to finance their journey away from me. Like the prodigal son. Ask your neighbor, are you the one person talking about? Some only show up when they receive a message from the pastor. He's asking, hey, I've not seen you for a while. Say, oh, I've remembered. I've not been coming to church. I'll now start coming. Erratic attendees. They are not consistent. And the reason why they are not consistent, they are not fully persuaded about church attendance. They are double-minded people. One leg is in the church. Another one is outside there. Am I preaching? To somebody here. They are really, really torn. They don't really know if they should be in church or they should be somewhere else. And that's why sometimes they can come to church because they have problems, problems, problems. Then they disappear. Or they come to church, then they feel like, hey, I've missed twerking. Then they disappear. They go and twerk. You don't understand what I'm talking about or what? Or they come to church and say, oh, I, I, I miss drinking. Then they disappear. They go and drink, 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 drink. Then they realize, ah, this thing, it's not even giving me the joy that I need. Then they show up again. So they're, they're double-minded. They have not really decided where they want to be. You see them in church, and then they disappear again. You see them in church, and then they disappear again. You see them in church, then they disappear. You see them in church for three months. After three months, you don't see them again. Then they come after five years. They say, Pastor, you know I'm always your member. Even if I go, I'm just like the prodigal son. I go and come back. I go and come back. Hmm. Now, such members will always remain in spiritual diapers. Do you know why? Because their growth is not consistent. I start a series, Loving the Church. They come during the introduction because it was at the beginning of the year. They want to be serious with God. They get the introduction. After that, they disappear. They will come, I've started another series. They say, Pastor, you mean you finished the series? That was very fast. It is not very fast. You've not been around. And so their growth is not consistent. You can't feed them. It's like having a child and you cook food. Your child comes in the morning, eats breakfast, then disappears. Two weeks, you're looking for your child. The police tell you, oh, we have your child here. You go and pick your child. You bring your child back home. You start cooking again for your child because your child is emaciated. Maybe your child has marasmus, you know, because he's not been feeding very well. Then you give your child breakfast. You give your child lunch. Then you give your child dinner. The following morning, you go to the room. The child has disappeared. Then you go and report. Oh, my child has disappeared. Then the police look for your child, look for your child, look for your child. After one month, they say, we found him. How will your child grow? It will be very difficult to raise that child, isn't it? And that's how it's difficult 
for pastors to raise erratic members. Members who attend, you see them, you don't see them. Now you see me, now you don't. <laughs> they are there, it's like they are there, it's like they are not there. It's, it's very difficult. So when you even do a series, because a series will always pick you from somewhere and take you somewhere else. Because they are not consistent, they cannot grow the way you want them to go. So they forever remain in spiritual diapers. Turn to your neighbor and ask them, what are you wearing? Are you in spiritual diapers? Are you this person I'm talking about? If you are this person I'm talking about, then you need to make your mind today that you will stay in the house of God. You need to make up your mind today that you'll be a, a consistent attendee in the house of God. You will always show up. When we announce a series, you make sure you don't miss any because you want to grow consistently and you want to grow systematically. Am I preaching to somebody in this house? Yeah. Don't be in the habit of showing up, disappearing, showing up, disappearing, showing. I mean, make up your mind. Tell your neighbor, make up your mind. Yeah, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Make up your mind. If it is God, stay with God. If it's the devil, just come and tell us, Pastor, give me three months. I want to do all the twerking. I want to do all the drinking I want to do for three months. Then after that, I will come back. That is even better. Go and twerk and twerk and twerk and twerk and twerk until you get a mass opo. Then you come back. See? Like Jacob. Tell your neighbor I'm changing. I'm becoming serious. Please talk to your neighbor. If your neighbor is not talking to you, you can move to another seat. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, I'm changing. And tell that neighbor, neighbor, you, you must also change in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We should stop playing games in the house of God. May God give me some serious sons and daughters who will be committed to church attendance in the name of Jesus. Who will become valuable members who are always in the house of God. Let's go deeper. I'm on a mission today. Tell your neighbor, fasten your seatbelts. It's going to get hot. It's going to be rough. James chapter 1 verse 5. James chapter 1. Lord, help me finish this. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. Verse 6, move quickly. Hmm. But let him ask in faith. Let him ask in faith. Without doubting or with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Verse 7. For let not that man, the man who is doubting, is double-minded. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Then verse 8. He is a double-minded Man, unstable in all his ways. You are in church, you are not in church. You are for God, you are against God. 
You are prayerful. You are out there in the world. You are unstable. And the Bible says you will never receive anything from God. That's why we have people who show up in three months and they think God is a magician. And they want God to perform a miracle in three months. If he doesn't do it, they disappear. And then they come back again after two weeks. And they think God will perform a miracle in two weeks. And then they disappear because he has not done what he wanted, what they wanted him to do. God is not a magician. He says if you are double-minded, you are unstable and you will never receive anything from him. If you're in church, stay in church. Be planted in church. Be identified with church. Attend church because you are a child of God. Ask your neighbor for me one more time. What are you wearing? Are you in spiritual diapers? You're not growing. It can be a dress. But inside the dress. It can be a suit. But beyond the suit. Ask your neighbor one more time. What are you dressing? Or wearing? Eratism in church attendance will interrupt the consistent development of your spiritual life. Which brings me to what I want to talk about, which is the consistent, number three, consistent church attendee. This one is committed. He is steady. He is consistent. He is regular. Mm. And because of this, his growth is consistent. His growth is steady. And his growth is regular. Because he's always in the house of God. He doesn't miss out on what is taking place in the church. He's always present for services. He is present for prayer. He is present for fellowship. He feeds on the word of God consistently. And he's always there. Whether the weather changes or not, you will find him in church. Whether he's discouraged or not, when the church calls for an assembly, he will always be there. Whether he has money or he doesn't have money, when the church calls for a meeting, he will always be there. Whether there is lunch or not, when the church calls for a consecration of pastors and ordaining of pastors, he will always be there. Because he's a consistent attendee. Because church is his life. Look, church is not just a place you go to. Church should become your life. Let me say that again. Church should not just be something you attend on Sunday. It should be your life. My church, my 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 life. Man, am I going to get amends today? Huh? This is where your breakthrough is, and I will show you. This is where your miracle is, when you become a consistent attendee. Because you see, God doesn't want you to think he's an ATM. Oh God, I need a breakthrough. I'm coming to your house right now. As I'm coming, oh Lord, prepare it. Lord, I'm coming. You can see I'm coming. I've just taken that corner at meds. Lord, I'm coming. Lord, you can see I've hit the bump just before City of Transformation Church. Lord, now I'm taking the right. Lord, I've arrived. 
I'm here now. Then you punch the figures. Three, five, six, seven. Then you wait. Eh? You tell God, Cheza kama wewe sasa. God is not like that. God is not like that. You see, God has everything that you need. But he doesn't want your relationship with him to be based on things. It's not about things. Do you understand what I'm talking about? If I'm going to be in a relationship with you, it's not about things. It's not about things. Because things come and things go. Money can come and money can go. Look, I've been married for over 21 years. It has not always been rosy. My relationship with my wife is not because of things. It's not because of cars. It's not because of money. Because when we got married, we had nothing. We didn't even have a TV in our house. We bought a TV after one year. And I was so excited. I wish you saw the way I was carrying that TV. Then after six months, I think oh, it was stolen. My heart was broken. We didn't have much. Our children were born in a district hospital, not a private hospital. District hospital. Huh? My wife was carrying Ashley on a bicycle to go to work. Border, border. We were not like this. No, we didn't have a car. The house I started living with my wife, it was one bedroom with a kitchen and living room. The toilet we were sharing with the rest. The toilet and the bathroom we were sharing with the rest. Sometimes you go with, you have warmed your water and you want to shower and there is a queue. So you wait. By the time you are going to shower, the water is cold. So you are torn whether to go and warm it or shower. But if you go and warm it, you will find a queue again. So you go and shower with cold water. That's where we were. I remember that toilet. We could not even go at night. Because it was a pit latrine. One day I went there at night. I didn't know. And I switched on the torch. Brethren, what I saw. I quickly switched off the torch. And whatever I, was, I wanted to do is like my body shut down. I went back to my, to my bedroom. <laughs> if it was money, we could not have been together. Do you understand what I'm saying? And some of you have reduced your relationship with God to be about give me things, give me things, give me things. I will come as long as you give me things. I will show up as long as you give me things. No, no, no. You should be a consistent attendee. With things or without things, you are there. Even if you don't bless me, even if you slay me, I will still trust in you. With a car or without a car, I will be there. Look at your neighbor, tell them I'm getting blessed. My goodness, we need to raise a new generation of believers who will not just serve God because of breakthrough. And those things are good and they have to happen. But they should be side effects of a robust relationship that you have with God. That's why the Bible says, seek ye first the 
God, the kingdom of God, and all his righteousness, and all these other things, they will just follow you. The cars will follow you. The houses will follow you. The promotion will follow you. The good marriage will follow you. As you follow God, as you become consistent in church attendance, and you follow God, all these things will just follow you. Can we go deeper? Can you handle deep? Ask your neighbor, can you handle deep? Hmm? Let's look at consistent attendees of the church in the Bible. Number one is Jesus. Luke chapter 4, from verse 14. Examples. Jesus is an example of a consistent attendee. Then Jesus returned. In the power of the Spirit to Galilee. I prophesy over your life that you will return home under the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. You're not receiving the prophecy. I say you will return after this service under the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Somebody shout, I receive the power. And because he was under the intoxication of power, the Bible says, and news of him went throughout all the surrounding region. Then verse 15. Move quickly. And he taught in their synagogues and being glorified by all because he was under power. And so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was, he, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read as his custom was. This is how Jesus was raised. That on Sabbath we go to church. On Sabbath we don't stay in the house to wash our house, to wash the clothes and to scrub our husbands and our wives. On Sunday we go to church. This is how Jesus was raised. And when he was a grown up he knew it is Sunday I'm going to church. That is how we should raise our children that they must understand that on Sunday is the day of the Lord as his custom this is something that he had done over and over and over and over again until it was part of his system there are people who miss church and they feel nothing They feel nothing. They miss church. I feel nothing. They are not guilty. And they are Christians. Feel nothing. They are not guilty. You see, you should come to a place where when you miss church, it's like you have sinned. You start to repent and say, oh God, forgive me because you called for an assembly and I didn't show up. Yeah, I was somewhere else. I was laughing with people while we were eating chicken. <laughs> Ask me, what do you eat when you're not in church? We are talking about loving church. This is now loving church. That church is my life. I have to be there. I have to do everything in my power to be there. And look, you are not coming to church to please me. Well, some of you think, well, let, let's go on. Let's, let's go so the pastor can see us. Because when he sees us, he's happy. You are not coming for me. You are coming for you. You are showing up for you. 
for your house, for your children, for your marriage, for your destiny. It is for you, not for me. Even me, I'm coming for me. Jesus went, Mr. Zeph, he went to the synagogue as his custom was. Then verse 17, my God, I feel something. Are you feeling something? If you're not feeling something, then you're not in church today. Are you feeling something? St. Benedict, are you? Feeling something? Then what happened? Give me the scripture. And he was handed the book of prophet Isaiah. He was given the book. Where? In the house of God. They say, Jesus, here's the book. And he opened the book. And he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Verse 19. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. In verse 20. Then he closed the book and gave it to the there was also somebody else who was also in the house to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. Jesus had just come from a place of prayer and the power of God had rested upon him but he needed to be in the house of God so that that environment may validate his calling and that's why he opened the Bible and when he started speaking it was a prophecy in the book of Isaiah even before Jesus came here on earth but that prophecy was activated in the life of Jesus when he entered into the house of God as his custom was. I want you to understand something that everybody in this house there is a prophecy that is hanging on top of your head. There is a declaration that is hanging on top of your head. If I were you, I will stop being erratic when it comes to church attendance. I will keep on showing up in the house of God because you never know when the Bible will be opened and the prophecy concerning your destiny, concerning your calling and concerning your ministry will be unveiled. I feel like preaching in this house. Ay, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Look at your neighbor, touch them and tell them there is a prophecy hanging on top of your head. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There is a prophecy. There is a prophecy. There is a prophecy. And do you know what people do? People think that I will not be committed to the house of God. And then I'll just be waiting when there is a prophet who is storming Kenya. Yeah? Prophet so-and-so storms Kenya. Then you go. Then you're in the meeting. You are hoping the prophet will call you. You are hoping. You are hoping. If you came and you sat the last row, the next meeting, you try and move closer. Maybe if I sit in the middle, the prophet will locate me. If he doesn't locate you, you try the following, the last day to be at the front. You know, so the prophet may locate you. When he's praying, you're having a headache. 
because they say, oh God, let him, let him see me. Oh God, let him see. Oh God. Then he comes and he passes you. He prophesies over other people. It's because God is teaching you a lesson here. He is not a magician. He is not a respecter of persons. But he is a respecter of principles. What he has said in his word, that is what he's going to fulfill. You can jump from one prophecy, from one prophet, from one man of God to another. But if you're not planted and you're not consistent in church attendance, forget about knowing your calling. If I were you, I would become consistent. I'll become committed. I will show up in God's house. And one of these fine days, I will not need anybody to call me by name, but as the word is being preached, something will awaken inside of me, and I will know God is calling me. Even if there is a prophecy on top of your head, it will never come to pass. By you jumping from one place to another, it is activated in God's house because God will not anoint a ruffian. No. No. I say no, 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 no. If you want to run with a prophecy, run with it. But there is so much that is involved in ministry that God wants it to come from a place of the assembly. <laughs> Paul was called by God. But the Bible says in Acts chapter 13, he was in the company of prophets and teachers in the church at Antioch. And they were praying. They were not praying so that they may discover his calling. They were praying because it was an ordinary prayer meeting. And as they were praying, the Bible says, the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Paul and Barnabas, because of the work that I have for them. We don't come for prophecies. We come for the confirmation and activation of what God has already placed over our lives. My God, I feel like preaching in this house. Look at your neighbor and tell them, neighbor, stay in charge. Hallelujah. I prophesy over your life this morning. One of these fine days. Tuesday prayer service. Friday miracle service. Sunday service. The Holy Ghost will say, separate me. Shout your name. Separate me. Shout your name. Separate me. Shout your name. I prophesy. May it come to pass in your life in the name of Jesus. As you attend church, may there, be, may there be confirmation concerning your destiny, concerning your future, concerning your assignment. If you believe it, shout a better yes in this heart. Sit down. I want to go deeper. Secondly, is Elkanah. Chew. Elkanah and his second wife, Hannah. First Samuel chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says, Now there was a certain man of Ramadaim Zophim, of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, 
an Ephraimite. What a lineage. And he had two wives. Turn to a man next to you and tell them, very bad idea. It's like that man didn't hear you. Look at them and tell them, bro, that's a very bad idea. Polygamy was in the Old Testament a lot, but it was not permitted by God. It was because of the hardness of people's hearts. But it is not God's perfect will. It's God's permissive will. Look, me, I have one. And the work I have put. <laughs> I'm imagining I don't even know how people survive. I don't know how you make it. Yeah, I have one. And the work, the work, both day and night, the work. Amara, are you breathing? Anyway, so the name of one was Hannah and the name of the other Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up from his city yearly, someone say yearly, to worship. He was always going every year because it was a requirement every year you have to go to the house of God. Yearly he went to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord were there. <laughs> Verse 4, and whenever the time for Elkanah to make an offering, he will give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. Verse 5. But to Hannah, he will give a double portion. Because he loved her. But this is the thing. For he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. He is going to the house of the Lord who has closed the womb of the woman he loves. And he was never bitter. He was never angry. He never backslid any single day. He kept on going. Yet it is the same Lord that he was sacrificing to. He was worshipping. Is the same Lord who had closed the womb of the woman he loves. Oh, if he was a 21st century believer... I've been coming here for the last five years and I've just discovered you are the one who is bringing problems in my marriage. From today, this is the last sacrifice I'm bringing to you. Unless you change. God, unless you change. God, unless you change your ways. Next year, I will not come. He worshipped God. Do you know why? It's because his relationship with God was not tied to material things. Oh, God, help me preach this morning. It was not about children. No. He said, this is a requirement. And because I love God, I will show up in his presence. I wish I had somebody here who will tell God, God, even if you don't bless me, I will still be in your house. Even if you don't give me a car, 
I will still be in your house. Even if I don't get married, I will still be in your house. I'm not here because I'm looking for a husband. I'm here because I want to forge my relationship with you. And if you see it fit to give me one, I will take it. But in the meantime, you can be assured of my devotion to you. Lord closed the womb, but he still went. Yeah. Let's go to verse 7. Let me finish this. And her rival also provoked us. Verse 7. Uh, I, I, I have to finish. So it was year, year by year, even Hannah, the victim of the Lord's doing, <laughs> she was also accompanying her husband to go and worship the very person who has caused Benina to laugh at her and to mock her because Benina was a factory of babies. Even when Elkanah is just visiting casually. <laughs> oh, this side is not getting what I'm talking about. She became pregnant. But Hannah was just there. Verse 7, it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept. Look, Hannah was crying, but she's going to the house of God. She was weeping, but she still went to the house of God. Believers today, when they weep, they stop coming. When they're discouraged, they stop coming. When something happens, they stop, they stop coming. But I'm raising a new generation in this church. I'm raising a new type of believers in this church. You will be bleeding, but you're in the house of God. You are broken, but you are in the house of God. You are stressed, but you are in the house of God. You feel weak and discouraged, but you are in the house of God. You don't say, ah, God should understand. I am human. Who said you are not human? You are human. But you still need to come. Consistent attendee. You are a valuable member. You tell God, God, I will always be there. I will, I will be there. Weeping, but I'm there. She went and she was weeping. Verse 8. Let's move quickly. Uh, then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you cry? Eh? Why do you not eat? Why are you not eating? You'll make people think I'm a very bad husband. Yeah? Why are you crying all the time? They will think I'm beating you all the time. And you love crying in church. You see, when you're standing next to your wife and every Sunday she's crying, people will think, he's a very evil man. Beats his wife every Sunday. On Saturday. That's why you... Have you realized couples don't cry in the church? Even when the Lord is touching them. It's only single people. <laughs> because they don't care who is looking at them. Couples, when they want to cry, you just see somebody standing going to the toilet. You think they are going for a biological need. Oh God, thank you for touching me. <laughs> you don't want people to think we are fighting. So Elkanah was, Elkanah was concerned. Why is your heart grieved? Yeah. Then he says, am I not better to you than 
10 sermons. Huh? And this conversation they were having it in church. So Hannah rose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli, the pastor, was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. He has always been there. It's like now the pastor was living in church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and she was in bitterness of soul. And she prayed. You see, she has been going to church over and over and over again. And this particular day, this particular day, she's there and she's crying. And she prayed to the Lord. And she wept in anguish. Verse, verse 11. Then she made a vow and said, she took her prayer to the next level. So those days she was praying, but this day she said, let me take my prayer to the next level. She made a vow and said, oh Lord of hosts, if you will need look on, your, on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. Verse 12. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that the pastor watched her mouth. Mm-hmm. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. Tell your neighbor, I'm not drunk. Turn to another and tell the neighbor. I'm telling you for the last time. Stop drinking. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away. But Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Verse 16. Let's finish the scripture. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, I have spoken until now. Verse 17. Then Eli said, answered and said, Go in peace. Go in peace. These words were powerful from Pastor Eli. Over a woman, my God, who has been coming to church consistently. This declaration was not just for anyone. It was not for an erratic church attendee. This one was for a constant church attendee. And he said, go in peace and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him right about now I prophesy over every man over every woman who has been consistent in attending church may God grant all the desires of your heart right about now in Jesus name somebody shout yes Look at your neighbor, tell them, I receive it, I receive it, I receive it, I receive it, I receive it. I receive it, I receive it. I came to tell you that coming to church was not a waste. You have come over the years. Some of you have been in church for 10 years, for 20 years, for 30 years, for 40 years, for 50 years. And some of your friends have been laughing at you. They say you are not married. They say you are not doing well. But I came to prophesy to you like Eli. I came to say, may God turn your fortunes around by virtue of being a a consistent member who attends church regularly in the name of Jesus shout yes in this house oh come on touch five people around you and tell them I receive my blessing hey my goodness my goodness I feel this word and she said let your maid servant find favor in your sight so the woman went her way 
she was not eating. But after the prophetic proclamation over her life, even before she conceived, the Bible says she went her way and she ate and her face was no longer sad. Who am I preaching to in this house? Even before the miracle takes place, hear this prophetic voice from the altar of God this morning. You have been faithful. You have been consistent. You have been in the house of God. I prophesy over your life. What was making you cry will no longer make you cry. In the name of Jesus, what made you sad will no longer make you sad. In the name of Jesus, you will live here with peace. You will live here loaded. You will live here with favor. You will live here with victory. You will live here with increase. Shout a better yeah! Somebody give you God a praise in this house. Give God a praise in this house. Verse 19, the Bible says, turn to them and tell them I feel this word. Then they arose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house at Ramah. Look, they even worshipped before they left. And then what happened? And Elkanah knew Anna, his wife. Knew. You want me to explain you? Or you know new? Ask your neighbor, do you know what new is? He did not ask her her name. He already knows her name. There was action. Only those who are in my class today will understand what I'm talking about. There was Kung Fu. Action. You know, there has been action all these years. But nothing happened. You see, action without a prophetic proclamation is still futile. But action coupled with a prophetic proclamation will deliver results. I feel the word. I prophesy over your life today that as you live here, everything you do, by virtue of being a consistent attendee in the house of God, may it yield fruit in your life in the name of Jesus. If you believe it, shout a louder, yeah. Hey! Elkanah knew Anna, his wife. And the Bible says, and the Lord remembered her. There's something I want you to see here that is very powerful. You have come to Mount Zion. Mount Zion has what? God is there. A numerous company of angels are there. The blood of Jesus is there. The spirit of just man is there. Now, the spirit of just man includes your priest, your pastor. Hallelujah. Then the blood of Jesus, which speaks better things than the blood of Abel, is there as well. And then Jesus, my God, the mediator of the new covenant that is based on better promises, is there as well. Eli, in this story, was the spirit of just men who issued the decree and the proclamation of Hannah and then God who is also in Zion the Bible says he remembered he remembered
remembered. He remembered Hannah. He remembered her sacrifices. He remembered how many times she has been coming to the house of God, broken, weeping, crying, but she still dragged herself. She was being mocked and she still came to sacrifice and God remembered. Oh, I pray that may God remember you. May God remember you. May God remember you in Zion. And may God deliver a package of blessing over your life in Jesus' name. If you believe it, shout a better yes in this house. He remembered. Then verse 20. Oh, finish it at your own time. He remembered her. And he blessed her. Simply because she kept on coming. Kept on coming. Kept on coming. So it came to pass in the process. In the process of time. Because God is not a magician. Tell everybody, he's not a magician. In the what if the process took five years? It still happened. What if it took 10 years? It still happened. What if it took 15 years? I come to tell you, keep coming. Keep showing up. It might not happen this year, but it might happen next year. Keep on showing up in the house of God. Be a consistent attendee. And what God has said, it will come to pass. She conceived, she conceived, she conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked for him from the Lord. Your answer is not out there. Your answer is in the house of God. Your breakthrough is in the house your miracle is in the house. So stop being erratic. Stop being erratic in attendance. Don't be an absentee. We don't see you. You disappear. Your answer, your breakthrough, your miracle is in the house. Throw this last scripture to you, then we'll pray. Tell your neighbor, I'm repenting. Hey, hey, hey. Psalms 27, verse 4. Throw it up quickly. Psalms is my last scripture, then we'll pray. My time is up. Oh, Psalm. Psalm, 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 Psalm. One thing, can we read all together? One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. Oh, oh, some days. For some months. All the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire. Look, look at you, you inquire. Lord, I'm stressed. You come and inquire. Lord, these things are not these things are not working. You come and inquire. Oh Lord, I feel like man, my marriage is not doing well. You come. And, and inquire, and you pray about it. You pray for your husband, you pray for your wife. Oh Lord, my children, eh, my children, father, are, are number one from behind all the time. What is happening, Lord? You go and pray and pray. And your husband is saying that your children look like you. Eh, you come and pray. 
Say, God, what is going on? What's going on in my house? What's going on with my finances? Your answer is in the temple. Your answer is in the house of God. Not from which doctors? No. Not from wrong counsel. Come to the temple. Come to the temple. Come to the house of God. Look at your neighbor and tell them, come to the house of God. Come, come, come. Please talk to five people around you. Tell them, come to the house of God. Show up in God's house and inquire about your issues and your problems. Some of you, when you have problems, you look for funny friends. That's why they are misadvising you. And the friends who are misadvising you, some of them are not even married. Shindwe! Their marriages broke. And that's where you go. How can a woman who has not kept a man teach you how to keep a man? Tell your neighbor, stop tripping. Oh, you know, we were together in the kindergarten, we were together in primary, we were together in high school, we were together in the universe. So what? Come to the temple. Come to the house of God. Come and inquire. Because you will see the beauty. Verse 5. I'm not out of the sermon, I'm out of time. I'm not out of the sun. I'm just out of time. But I wish I had some time to work this thing. Do you feel me, somebody? And then the Bible says, for, for, when you come to the temple, this is what's going to happen. Can we read it together? For in the time of, woo, he shall do all. In his, in the, of his he shall and he shall do all when trouble comes he will hide you he will keep you may God keep you may God hide you may God remember you as you keep on showing up in his house may he remember you May he hide you. May he provide for you. Shout aloud a yes. May he set you high. 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 And so I'm going to stop there. That is the first valuable member that we need to have in the church. One who is a consistent church Attendee. Throw up your hands, we pray. Father, in Jesus' name, help us to be this kind of a member. Help us. Help us. We shall not be erratic church members. We shall be consistent, committed church members. Always in your house. Always in your house. Father, forgive those who have been erratic. Forgive those who have not been serious. Forgive those who have been absent. They only show up occasionally. Fair weather Christians, forgive them, Lord.
And today, Father, I pray that may we begin on a journey where we make church our life. When you call for an assembly, we shall congregate and be with other believers to pray together, to worship together. In Jesus' name, you shout a big amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can now get in touch with Dr. Dazu Techero on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.